Welcome to the Corporate Catholic Podcast, where we inspire the joyful hustle by integrating your relationship with God into the nine to five. Join us as we flip the script on faith and work. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're so happy that you joined us today. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Brian from the Catholic Prayer app, Hallow. And last week, we talked about entrepreneurship and, you know, being an entrepreneur where you are in your corporate job. And this week, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. So we're really excited to have Brian here, talk all about Hallow and his journey and being an entrepreneur. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. All right. So let's, you know, give the people a, a quick background, like who you are and, and where you come from. Give the people what they want. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Brian Enriquez, I was born in Puerto Rico, um, but actually grew up in the States. So I spent time in the Midwest. I say that I'm from Mississippi, which is what I did, uh, where I did middle school and high school. Uh, and then went to college at the University of Notre Dame, graduated, uh, lived in D.C. for a few years. Uh, and then it was in D.C. when the sort of journey of starting Hallow began. Um, and so currently I'm a founding team member at Hallow. And my role is um, to be the person who spends the most time with our users. So the official title is head of customer operations and community. But just trying to really understand you know, what are the needs of our users? Um, how can we translate that into product features? And then how can we create a brand that um, it's not just about you using the app, but it's about you connecting with others and connecting to Christ through prayer. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe just like a quick like sentence or two about the purpose of Hallow and, you know, why you might use it for someone who maybe hasn't heard about the app before. Absolutely. And I'll talk about this later. But in the beginning, when we were talking about starting Hallow, it was kind of like, well, what's the point? You can find prayers online. Uh, You can find prayers on YouTube. And there's other apps out there like the Bible apps. Like, why would you even need to start something called Hallow? And I think the answer is we found a massive gap in what is existing out there at the time in meditative prayer. So there wasn't really a Catholic app that helped you understand the tenets of meditative prayer and then actually help you do that and learn the steps. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're interested in connecting with God through the Catholic lens and the beauty of the faith and you're not really sure where to get started, then Hallow is the best app for you. Yeah, and I think Allison and I are both users and we love it. I know Mm -hmm. I first heard about it when I was like doing an internship through Notre Dame and so that was like back in the pandemic and the pandemic I feel like was the perfect time for me to get that because that's when everyone needed to be more like zen and chill and like meditate mm-hmm. and like that was also a time when I was really getting into my faith so it came at the perfect time so yeah. yeah yeah I remember hearing about it for the first time too and my first thought was like I've been looking for an app like this like I'm so glad you know I came across this because I think like you said, that that was a gap that I didn't even know was there until I saw the app. I was like, okay, this is here to really fill that gap. So. Yeah. Okay, and then we'll also just talk about how, um, you know, Brian, you and I know each other. So I feel like we, we were talking about this. 
And we were like, yeah, we met at a young Catholic professionals, which is like YCP. There's different chapters in like a bunch of major cities. And it was just like a happy hour or something at a bar around around the city. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I, you know, we, we met and like had a great conversation chit-chatting. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like probably never see that guy again. <laughs> but then lo and behold, I feel like we just kept running into each other, like at random things every so often, even like at Seek, <laughs> even when we're not even in Chicago. God really wanted this episode <laughs> to happen. Exactly. He was like, <laughs> like, you got to be on the Catholic corporate podcast now and make it happen. So like, I feel like other people have been like, oh, you know, like, like I'll they'll be like, oh, you're talking to that guy. Like, how do you know? Him? And I'm like, just around. <laughs> just yeah, exactly. I feel like that's the best way to describe how we know each other. Just just from around, around yeah. town. <laughs> cool. Well, so this episode, we obviously want to hear about your journey with Hallow and all of that. But before we do that, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your life before Hallow. So you know, what your career was, what your life was like, if you had any other career aspirations outside of that, and if you kind of even thought about entrepreneurship before Hallow, or if that kind of introduced you to the idea. 100%. So who was Brian Enriquez before Hallow started? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's answer that question. So at Notre Dame, I was on the mock trial team, and I also did mock trial in high school. So Around high school slash freshman year of college, I was like, you know what? I want to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. That's sort of my path. I enjoyed dressing up in suits and, you know, working on a team to put together a case and then make arguments in front of people. That just felt right. And so I thought that meant that, okay, I'm supposed to be a lawyer. And so I ended up going to Notre Dame, competing at, at, on the mock trial team and and said, all right, this is it. I'm just, I'm not going to take the LSAT, which is like the, the next step mm -hmm. in the process to become a lawyer. And it just, it it, it just didn't, I, I took it like, I think at least twice. And it just didn't, I didn't get a great score. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it, I was like, well, is it just because I'm not studying properly? Like, is it something else that I could do differently? And then around that same time, it was 20, so I graduated in 2015. And I was working for the government. I was working for the Department of Justice. So I was surrounded by lawyers. And so that also helped give me another layer of context. Mm -hmm. I was on sort of projects that were of a legal nature. And I just realized, I was like, I don't know if this is like what God wants me to do. Otherwise, the job was very sexy. It's like I was working at headquarters in Washington, D.C. I got to work with folks who were putting together some really amazing cases so there was a big case on um, saving children who were sold into sexual slavery mm -hmm. uh, across the U.S. And, you know, just seeing projects like that, they were, they were coming out of the Department of Justice. We're like, wow, like I'm helping this organization that's doing all of these things that were, yeah. that were great. But then why do I still feel like there's this tug? I would say like this tug on my heartstrings of like, like um, in Spanish we say inquietud, which is like you're unsettled or you're just mm -hmm. not... Like, there's something maybe not right. And I was like, well, I mean, the job is, it's, it's a good job, so why do I feel this way? And so that, that's kind of who I was professionally in this state of, like, not really knowing, trying to figure out the LSAT, trying to figure out if the uh, legal path was the right path for me. Mm -hmm. And then on the, on the spiritual side, 
I was very much, I never left the faith, so I was very much a, I would say, a status quo, maybe like a cafeteria Catholic. Yeah, but, what <laughs> does know, that mean? So you, the cafeteria Catholic's idea is you go in and you kind of pick and choose what you like oh, okay. from the cafeteria yeah. line, and you don't necessarily, you know, yeah. uh, say yes to everything. Yeah. And my prayer life was was consistent, but it was very superficial. So I'd never done a holy hour. Like the rosary, I would only pray if like if things were really bad, you know, break the glass, take the rosary out, and like say a rosary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's. That's what my experience was like. It was very much a, you go to bed and you say, hey, thank you for these things. I'm sorry for these things. And like, could you please give me a car? Could I please get a good grade on this test? Could I please have a girlfriend? Like, that was that was basically it. Which is not necessarily to say it's a bad prayer life, but yeah. it wasn't. I didn't understand, for example, the listening element. Mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at, at listening to God. I wasn't very good at, I had never meditated before. I didn't even know that was something you could do as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. So that all changed around 2017. Wait, what happened then? Yeah. Well, well what was in, what 2017? in 2017? That was a really just big, like, cliffhanger right exactly. there. <laughs> You're like, now we break for commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Download Helen out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I worked, I was working at the Department of Justice, and 2015 was when I started. And then in 2017, so I'm, I'm a few years in, I have some experience, and Alex, who um, was my roommate from college, we all uh, went to the University of Notre Dame together, and so he was my randomly assigned roommate in freshman year, and we just Aww. were still, we, we kept living with yeah. each other, and then we moved off campus uh, senior year. And at, around that time, I was catching up with him and then uh, a few other friends from Notre Dame just on the weekends, you know, just like hang out and say, hey, how's life? I was in D.C. Um, Alessandro uh, was in New York City. Um, Alex was in Chicago. And we were just like catching up. And the one thing that kept coming up was like, man, we're like stressed. We're like young adults. I mean, this is like real life. Yeah. We're like living real life. We're stressed out. What do we do about the stress? And Alex was raised Catholic, but he had fallen away from his faith. So he was self-proclaimed like atheist, agnostic, depending on like the last YouTube video that he had watched, basically, like at Notre Dame. Yeah. And, you know, he would, we would have debates. Sometimes he'd go to mass. I mean, but really it was kind of a, a, um, a moment of searching for him. And so after we had graduated, he was still in that kind of, exploration of what he truly believed Mm -hmm. and around that time he started um a co-worker actually he worked for a consulting firm so he's traveling he's stressed Mm -hmm. we each have our own stressors alessandro was working crazy hours at a um, investment bank in new york city and um, some of the things that i was working on was was like just like mentally difficult to handle um you know there was one case we were supporting folks who you know had to regularly investigate um like ISIS beheading videos, had to watch mm-hmm. those, or they had to pretend to be minors and you know try to catch predators. And so, like being around yeah. some of that that content really is, is really difficult. And so we each my 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 point in saying that is we each were invested in trying to figure out how to like deal with the stress of like mm-hmm. this is real life now. Like we're adults, like we're young adults or whatever. How do we grow? And so he had rec- been recommended an app called Headspace. So it's a uh, Buddhist meditation app that's sort of like a mindfulness. And so he starts doing that. And around that time, 
you know, I was also kind of experiencing like, okay, well, what do I truly believe? I started like going to different churches in DC and just mm-hmm. trying to figure out like what felt right to me. And it was around that time, that's what I'm saying it was in 2017, that things started to change because Alex, he at that point had been meditating for a while using this Headspace app. And then interestingly felt like there was this divine presence with him all of a sudden, like a, like a presence of something that was bigger than himself mm-hmm. and that he couldn't explain mm-hmm. through natural means. What's interesting is that Buddhism is an atheistic religion. There is no deity in Buddhism. There's no God in Buddhism. So he's like, okay, well, this can't be that. So this must be experienced from another tradition. Like what what other tradition do I know? And he was familiar with the Catholic one. So he's like, okay, well, maybe I'll call my priest. So Father Pete McCormick, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Awesome priest. He's in charge of campus ministry. He's got um, some awesome basketball skills, so he's the chaplain. <laughs> he's the chaplain for the basketball team, so and he's, oh. he's tall. So he's, yeah, so he's very he's amazing, and he's got some content in the Hallow app now. But he um, recommended these these techniques to Alex: meditative prayer, all these things. Um, because Alex was like, "Is there a way to like pray and meditate using like?" Catholic things? Is that even a, th- a thing? And like Father Pete laughs. He's like, yes, Alex, we've been doing it for like hundreds of years. Like it's not like a new age thing in the yeah. church. Like this is like, you know, Lectio Divina, the examine, all these things. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he, when Alex called me and we were talking, we weren't talking about prayer. He like casually brought this up. He was like, oh yeah. And something, something, something Lectio Divina. And I thought, and I was at, at the time I was in Italy and, and I had just come back and my sister studied abroad. And so he said Lectio Divina, and I thought he was talking about, like, an Italian leather goods brand. <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't know that it was, like, a prayer technique. Yeah. That's how little I knew, right? And so then we start talking about these techniques, and then I start doing them, and then that was sort of where the turning point happened in my own faith because I, I was inspired. I saw how he went from, like, not really knowing what he believed to praying the rosary and, like, using these techniques, you know, praying and examine which is an Ignatian technique that I didn't know of either. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, so th- there's things that I've never heard of before. It's not like a priest ever got up and was like, hey, yeah. you should try Lectio Divina. Like, yeah. I had never heard that before. So yeah. when I saw his reconversion back to the faith, then I started to sort of delve deeper into what I believed and just found tremendous fruit from that. Mm-hmm. No, that's, like, so important and I because – I would say that I was on the same page as you for like a long time where I didn't know those different techniques and like types of prayer and like was gratefully found friends in college who, you know, grew up in having more of that formation. But I do feel like there wasn't really like a resource out there where I could just explore those things. You kind of had to know to look it up, if that makes sense. Like, how would I know what Lectio Divina is unless someone told me, you know, so... Yeah. yeah, and I yeah I come from a similar place too, and I went to Loyola University of Chicago, so I was kind of introduced to the examine because you know Saint Ignatius, and right. um, I was like, wow, I love the examine. Like, I wish there was more prayer like this. But yeah, you don't I think know how to then, like find how to find it, that. and yeah, exactly. Because you're like, oh, you could type in examine, and all that comes up is like the one that you know, and then it's like, how do I find like resources related to that, or like since you tried this, try this, like mm-hmm. yeah, kind of like a recommended yeah. type, of, yeah, yeah. So okay, I so to that. yeah, let's talk then about that gap because you said you saw that gap in the intersection of meditation and faith. 
and you guys weren't per se like experts in that you know you're kind of learning and figuring that out as you go so how did you approach that gap and start to fill it or research it or get inspiration how did you start building that yeah so i think in the very beginning um so alex has his reconversion he's doing these techniques i started learning about them i tried them as well and we're like, man this is like really awesome and then alex calls me one day he's like how did you learn how to pray? And I was like, I mean, I don't know, like I was in elementary school, like my parents. And he's like, okay, but like, was there like a resource? Was there like some big thing that you, I was like, I don't know, like there wasn't. He's like, hmm, why isn't there an app for like the stuff? Like there should be an app for this. And then we like tried Googling or like looking things on the app store. And there was an app that existed, but it, all it had was like written content. And it was, you know, it felt like it was made in the 90s. Like, the, you yeah. know, I was like, yeah. this is just not what I would expect, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, why don't, why don't we just make one? And it just came, it was such a, on its face, a ridiculous thing to say. Because at the time, I was in the government. He was uh, working as a consultant. Alessandro was working in finance. And some of our other friends were doing very different things. So it's not like we were app designers yeah. chomping at the bit for the next idea. It was yeah. just like this. He's like, let's just do it. And in that moment, it was this just like clarity that I had not experienced either in a long time or ever. Of when he was like, let's do it. It was just like, yes. It just felt right. It was like, yes, yes. This is, yes, we should do this. I have no idea what it looks like, but let's do it. And I remember like where I was standing, I was in my apartment in like next to my sofa. Like I remember what I was wearing and I sat down and there was just this like, I don't know if it was a voice or just like this thought that was like, from now on, everything will be different. And it was like this certainty. I was like, wow. And then I went back to prayer and that feeling of like inquietude of like, you know, being unsettled and not really knowing was gone. When I would pray wow. about this idea, it was just gone. I'm like, okay, cool. So it looks like God wants me to like do this. Yeah. Um, so then Alex had it. Alex is one of the, his strengths is like being, we call it biased towards acting. He's just mm-hmm. like, let's, let's, <laughs> let's do the thing where a lot of people get stuck yeah. of mm-hmm. like the ideas and let's, let's whiteboard and let's have a meeting. He's like, no, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And so that mentality was really helpful. And figuring out, but he's like, but I have no idea what this what this even is. Or like your, your question is like, how do you even start if you're not experts in this? And thankfully, um, we had a few friends, um, Joe Fredrickson, Abby Fredrickson, and Francis Vu, who are all um, sort of on the founding team of Hallow, and they had a theological background. So they were studying um, theology and were able to lend a voice of with some degree of authority on hey this is what we could do but at the same time they were our peers and they were friends so mm-hmm. it was they were coming at it from a similar angle of mm-hmm. us of like kind of going deeper after graduating and so that was helpful and then on top of that we had a lot of great mentors early on um, so we turned to Bishop Kevin Rhodes out of the Fort Wayne Fort uh, South Bend Fort Wayne diocese um, and Bishop uh, Bishop Rhodes was able to kind of be that sounding board of a true authority <laughs> in, in the in the church. So um, he 
sat on on the um, on the committee of uh, of doctrine. So basically, like making sure that what is being taught is in line with church teaching. So he was yeah. like the mm-hmm. perfect, That's perfect person yeah. to be a soundboard really, really early on. And then Father Pete McCormick, obviously, being the that's first inspiration to even turn mm-hmm. towards meditative prayer. So we called Father Pete again and just like had conversations with him. So that that's kind of how we got started was like a realization of like, we need this for ourselves. And we have some friends that also know more about this than we do. And we've got some great mentors and advisors that are going to help us understand what even is this mm-hmm. uh, and so that was kind of like the the beginning stages of uh of hallow and you guys were able to just i don't know i mean i, I i'm all about the practicality so like right when you were kind of starting i mean how many hours or like how much time do you feel like you put in like at the beginning or like how did you try to fit that in with your job and that kind of thing too yeah. Sorry, I'm just more curious. because No, I'm no, like, I'm yeah. curious about that, too. And you also all live in different places, yeah. too. So how did that work? Like you said, okay, we're going to do this. What then, basically? And no one was really using Zoom. It was like 20 Back so. then. Back <laughs> yeah, then. back yeah, then. Yeah, it was pre-Zoom. It was FaceTime. It was pre-Zoom. <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting because in the very, very beginning, it was – you kind of have this honeymoon phase of the of an idea. And you're like, this is going to be great. This is so awesome. <laughs> and it's fun because you're with your friends. And it, it, in the very beginning, it was not like, I mean, I sent him a text and I was like, this is what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. Semi-tongue-in-cheek because I was like, I mean, this is great. And yes, I felt really passionate about it. But I knew myself and I'm kind of like that like gets excited guy. <laughs> but I mean, I at the time didn't think we're going to start this 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 company together and it's just going to be this thing you know this this runaway success it was just like it was a project it's mm-hmm. like okay we have a project that like could be really cool mm-hmm. could be really dope but where is it going to lead i don't know it was it was kind of like the the feeling of it um so alex called eric and i we didn't know eric he was also 2015 notre dame but thankfully eric had a um computer science background and so he like got to re teach himself some code. Um, yeah. Alex was a mechanical engineer, so he was able to pull together the very first versions of the app. Mm-hmm. So it was very much like a, I don't want to say a group project for school, but it felt like yeah. we would because there wasn't Zoom, so we hopped on. I think it was called Uber Conference. It was just like a conferencing call mm-hmm. um, tool, and we would just like hop on on weekends and just like talk like, okay, this is the idea. This is like the <laughs> change the world idea. Like, what are we gonna do yeah. now? And the first thing we did was debate the name. We like debated mm-hmm. the name for a while. But to your point, since we were in different cities, we would just, the conference call was kind of like the working session. We would just hop yeah. on the conference call for like an hour and just like talk about like our thoughts and whatever else. And then eventually we started talking. We said, yeah, I mean, we should build something that's like, the thing about, like we, he, Alex had been using Headspace, but he's like, a lot of it's silence. We can do something that has silence, but we want more of like a meditative prayer guide experience mm-hmm. where like you feel like you're praying with somebody. So who has a really meditative voice? Hmm. And then thankfully in prayer, Francis, his name came up. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, Francis. And I had been friends with Francis since uh, we studied abroad together in Spain. So then Francis gets involved. He's friends with um, Joe. And then Joe married Abby. And so then, like, that's how the original seven, that's how we all got together. Yeah. And then it was a question of, like, okay, but, like, who is leading this thing? 
And then Alex at one point was like, we were we were t- we were trying to make a decision on something, and he's like, look, like I I've like I've been really convicted by this, and I had this really deep reconversion, and I feel like I want to lead this thing, and we like it was just very natural, like yeah, I mean it was kind of your idea anyway, so like that's how he was like, okay, I'll I'll be the CEO of this thing, it's a cool, but it's still a project, it's still fun. Mm-hmm. We all had full time jobs, and so we we would work on it on weekends or at night, and that's that's kind of we. He called me in like early 2018, um, like January, February, and then we started pulling the team together a little bit later than that in like April-ish of that year. And then over the summer was when we had a little bit more time and we started, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like putting meat to the bones and that's kind of we started developing the idea basically. Okay, so it sounds like then from the beginning, like when the idea first came up, you kind of knew it was going to be something special, right? Like, or was there a moment after that where you're like, okay, this actually is going to be big? Or did you ever have that kind of aha moment? Yeah, so in the beginning, it was this conviction of like, yes, but I don't know to what end. I don't know Mm -hmm. what it's going to look like, but I know Mm -hmm. that it's this thing that I'm just going to do, right? And we started working on it. And I remember we, we did a Kickstarter. So that's how we got some of our initial funding. And we were working on the Kickstarter. And it launched in like October, November of 2018. And around that time, so the sort of the run-up was Alex was working at this consulting firm. And he quit around the summer, sometime in the summer. He quit of 2018 because he was going to business school. So he was going to Stanford. Um, so it's the Graduate School of Business. And so he had already quit for that. And so he was going to use his time at Stanford. I mean, it's like perfect timing to like yeah. be mm-hmm. surrounded by entrepreneurs and just like be a sponge and, and just try to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Try to take classes from some awesome people and just get some good advice. So that was r- very helpful. Mm-hmm. But the point is like had this gone sideways, he could have just pivoted out and done something out of business school mm-hmm. like anyone else, right? So him going there wasn't like, uh, it was part of the plan anyway. Had, had it not happened, he would have still done that. Mm-hmm. But then Eric quit his job in like November. And he quit without any salary and without like a job title. He just literally was like, he was going to be promoted at his firm. And like around the time that the promotion was announced, he was like, no, nah, I'm just going to quit. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh like, what are, you, wow. what are you, What are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to build a prayer app. And you can imagine, like, how he must have yeah. laughed out of there. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. such a ridiculous thing to say. And to just take no money. I mean, we didn't have money to pay ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so he just was like, Alex, I'm in. Like, I'm just in. And Alex was like, wow. I mean, I at least have a business school. <laughs> yeah. I at least have a plan B. Like, you're just yeah. out here. <laughs> and when he quit, I remember seeing the message come through. And I was, like, driving. And I, like, stopped. And I read the message because I saw there was like a notification and I stopped and I and I read it and it was like, hey guys, like I've quit my job, like I'm going to do this, you know, full time. And it like that was the moment for me that was like, this isn't a project anymore. Yeah. This is like a thing. And it was like it, it, we would make jokes. We'd make like startup jokes all the yeah. time of like, oh, we're so cool. We're Silicon Valley startup or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, just like, and we're, we weren't, you know what I mean? Like we're living everywhere else and Alex was the only one in, in Silicon Valley, but it was sort of this surreal, like that's what happens in the movies. There's no way that we're yeah, gonna be, yeah. we're gonna be anything like that. And so when he quit, it was like, wait, this could be a thing. 
Mm-hmm. And then what's interesting is that what I found is like, what does that moment of like, we've made it mean? And that I think has has shifted. Mm-hmm. So in the very beginning, it was like, okay, we when we got the Kickstarter, it's like, we got a Kickstarter, you yeah, know, successful, like yeah. boom, you know, check it out. But then it's like, okay, but what's the next thing? Like we need to, we need to actually do, ex- yeah. we need to do blah. Okay, cool. So then we did blah. Like we did a, um, eventually there's more to the story about us quitting and, and everything else, but we eventually did a seed round and mm-hmm. when it's like, we made it, we got a seed yeah. round. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's amazing. Oh, but we got to hire people now and we have to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, okay, we're going to do that thing. And then it's like, we got a series A. It's like, oh, we got a series A. It's amazing. We did it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they do, did we really do it? It's like, we got to do these things. So it's like, it always feels like right when you think you've gotten to the next milestone, it's like, oh, but like you've got a, this is this next phase yeah. of, of growing. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's dangerous because you have to be, first of all, you can't fall into the trap of pride, which is like, this is the result of our doing. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's, what's I think easier for us is that it's so ridiculous that we started this. People who didn't really know anything about the faith with the exception of like a handful of people. For us to start something like this that's now like the most used prayer app in the world is just a testament to, it's obviously not us. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's clearly not us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's clearly God <laughs> who's, you know, given us the graces that we need. It wasn't through our own doing. But that, you know, when you're, when you're growing and you're like the next thing, the next thing, yeah, you can't miss the step of being grateful, of being like, thank you, God, for where we've gotten so far. You know, because if it's always like, what's the next thing, then you're never living in the moment. You're never thankful or, or being grateful. So that's always something that you have to be careful with. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't know. I mean, recently when we hit third app, so Apple has a ranking that they use in the App Store, and you can look like a, there's an all apps button. And we were number three for two days because of Ash Wednesday. Amazing. Wow. And that was Yeah, that's insane. That was like the moment I was like, This is this is just what? These other companies are like yeah. billion dollar companies, like have many, many, many TikTok, we have, like yeah. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, Facebook. Like I mean it's just Yeah. And obviously it was because of Ash Wednesday and sure. Like it was yeah. a short term thing. Like we're not there anymore. But it's never been done before. Yeah. We looked up and apparently the highest that a faith based thing had ever gotten was like twelve. Really? And like, and it was like the Bible app. Yeah. Uh, and then a meditation app also had never been in the top 10. So for a faith-based app, who's also a meditation app, to, yeah. to be three. And the other two were CapCut, which is a TikTok editing mm-hmm. tool, and um, Timu, which is like the, I, guess, I don't know how to officially say it, but like the Chinese version of like Amazon, I think is how it's been described to oh, me, or like okay, shopping. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's, just, I mean, that's just mind-blowing, honestly. That's incredible. So it was in that moment where we just kind of took a step back. We we're like, how? Like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, God is good. Mm-hmm. And wow, was sort of like the two immediate reactions to that. So to answer your question, I think that was like the most recent. Or even like when we got Mark Wahlberg or we got Father Mike Schmitz. Those were like, I, we remember dreaming. We're like, wouldn't it be amazing if one day we got Father Mike Schmitz? And then when we got him in the app, it was just like, that's it. We, we, yeah. we made it. You know, we made it. We have Father Mike Schmitz. He's so amazing. Um, so anyway, I could talk on and on about that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's just been humbling and life-changing. That's amazing. And yeah, I don't know. I, going back real quick to what you're saying about like you having to be humble and everything, I, I do feel like there is kind of a, you know, when you started getting rounds of money and stuff, it's like 
you know, that's other people being involved. Like people are like donating their money to you. And like, yeah, I mean, that's, I feel like that's too when it becomes just super real. And there's like, there are people other yes. than the people in this room I that remember, believe in this. <laughs> yes, that's a great point, Claire. When we first got our like seed funding. So these are, these are people who have invested their money in us. Yeah. We, we were just like, People gave us money? Yeah. <laughs> what? They invested in what us? Like, oh. Do they know? I like, like, don't know anything about we, we, I remember we were scared to death of wasting yeah. money. Yeah. We, for World Youth Day, so this is this is 2019. So this was, at this point we had done the Kickstarter and we had done like a friends and family round. So, I don't, so the seed, we hadn't even done the seed round yet. Uh, but we were like, people gave us money. This is crazy. World Youth Day, January 2019. We were looking at flights, and it was this was the first expense that I had. I was like, okay, it's a company trip, so I'm not paying for this. So like, the company's gonna pay for it. So that's awesome. And then Alex is like, okay, but like, what flight are you gonna take? And I was, I think the flight was like seven hundred and like twenty dollars round trip, which is amazing, mm-hmm. from DC to Panama City, Panama, because uh, that's where World Youth Day was that year. Yeah. And he was like. Is that the cheapest one? I was like, well, I mean, there's another one that's like 660, but I lose an entire day of being there. <laughs> He's like, I don't know, man, like 60 bucks. And we like debated it for like an hour, like on the phone, up $60, you know what I mean? And it was yeah. that like intense of like yeah. trying to make sure that every penny was spent yeah. wisely. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's a great point. That was very wild. Yeah, it's like... I don't know. I feel like if someone gave me money, I'd be like, are you sure? Like, do you, do you want it back? Like, <laughs> is it just a loan? Like, do you need it back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that would really make it real for me, I, I think. But it also helped the flip side. It's like it makes you like, okay, well, now I have to do well. Yeah. You know, like, because now I've been entrusted with this mission mm-hmm. and, you know, this, this treasure from this person's life. Yeah. That they expect some return on it. I can't just give, give them a check that's a zero dollars on it. I have to like, you know. Yeah. So... So, yeah, so that helped kind of, like, really make it real for us and, you know, less be about, you know, oh, this is just a fun thing. And now it's like, no, this is, like, a real thing. We have yeah. to we have to perform. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I'm curious more about, like, at what moment you knew that you were going to pursue this full time and quit your job and, like, go all in. Because you mentioned Eric just one day quit his job. Like, how long after that did it take you to kind of go all in and be like, all right, I'm ready to commit to this. Yeah. So Alex had already quit. Eric was like the first, like, wow, this is crazy. Alessandro was the second one to quit. Um, he had a similarly crazy story. And then I was the the, um, the, the fourth one to quit and, and do it um, full-time, basically. So I was also in the process of business school, primarily because I felt like I was like, I can't just do this thing. Mm-hmm. with the amount of knowledge that I have at the time. So like all, Eric, Alessandro, and Alex already had a business background. And then Francis, Abby, and Joe had a theology background. And so my background was more in like, like I said, like I had done things in law. Um, I said economics and political science. So I was like, ah, I don't know where that's going to really fit into this startup thing. And like I kind of yeah. need something to fit in. And I, I just don't feel like I have a network of peers. So like they all had... Alessandro and Eric and Alex had friends in their work environment that had started companies or that were advisors or that, you know, no one in the government 
is starting companies. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, I didn't right. have that. And so then I was like, man, I think God's telling me. And then the, the law school thing, I prayed about it and prayed about it. And it was like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. So this this <laughs> this law thing is not for me? Cool. Yeah. What else? Is it some other thing? And then that's when business school came up. And I was like, okay, maybe business school. And so it was around that time of discernment that um, I had discerned that how is the, is the next step. Cool. What do, What's the next step after that? Like of like oh, on this journey, what do I do mm-hmm. to to say yes to Hallow? And then business school kept coming up, and so I was like, all right, well, like, what if I just go visit some of these schools and see what how I feel? And I got really excited. I was like, oh, I think this could like work. And so um, I, long story short, I got accepted uh, into some schools, and I decided to go to the Yale School of Management. So class started in like August of twenty nineteen. So they had quit their jobs in 2018. Mm-hmm. And so in around March, yeah, it was like February, March is when I found out that I had got in. I'm like, okay, great. So I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go to business school. And I, was, I told my work that I was going to quit in like basically like June or July, you know, to give myself like mm-hmm. a month or two before. But then there was some fuel to the fire and like World Youth Day happens and like Seek happens and I'm like, man, this hallow thing is like really taking off. Like, I might need to quit sooner. And then that was a that was a big decision. So then I was like, okay, well, when am I gonna quit? And I was like, I think, I think I'm gonna quit. Like at that time it was the beginning of April. I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to quit now, like in April. And then between May, June, July, and August, like just figure things out basically. Mm-hmm. But that was a big decision. So that was the moment of like, what do I do this or not? And then my I had a I was working on a project through Notre Dame. And it was a pro bono consulting project for a Catholic nonprofit in DC. And the person who was leading the project, Andrew, was a venture capitalist. And he wrote his check size, minimum check size was one to two million dollars from his firm to, gosh, into yeah. startups. So it's like this guy knows things. I'm gonna pitch him on this idea of hallow, <laughs> like, hey, you know. And so I, I pitched him. I said, hey, man, you know, here's the idea. Here's what we've got. We've, you know, we've got this app or whatever. It's like, you know, what do you think? And he's like, Brian, I think this is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. No oh one's gosh. ever going to use this app. No one's going to download it. You can find all of this on YouTube or Google, let alone pay for it. Like, do not do this. And that was pretty, that was like a pretty shocking moment. I remember yeah. thinking, like, we were talking about on the train station in uh, uh, in Old Town, we were like uh, Alexandria, uh, just talking on like waiting for like the the metro to come and pick us up, and I rode the metro back just like defeated. I was like, man, this guy knows so much, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My friends and I were just like he's he painted it as like, you know, starry eyed, out of college, don't know mm-hmm. what you're doing, yeah, and this is gonna fail. And he was, I mean, he's like ninety percent of startups fail within the first one to two I years. I hate that statistic. It's so like annoying. I don't know. I just feel like it's like why like it's just so defeating. I, I, so at the time yeah. I was pretty defeated. I was like, man, this is um, we just almost be idiots and like this is just gonna go nowhere and we're gonna yeah. waste our time. But then I thought about it and I was like, I felt really convicted by God. So then I I remember this is one of the times that I really brought something to prayer. This to, to answer your question about like how I knew. I brought to prayer as a like, God, if you want me to do this, please let me know. Because I, th- I don't, I, I could just like go to business school and like not do this thing. So then it, then it turned into, do I even continue with Hallow? You know, do mm-hmm. I just say no to Hallow and go to business school and like have a safe job coming out? 
So that that's really when like the rubber hit the road for me. And thank God, I remember I went to Blessed Sacrament, which is the name of our church in Alexandria, and I like prayed, and it was so clear. It was like, no, like you need to do this uh, thing with Hallow, and you need to go to Yale. I was like, oh, okay, so I have to do both. That does not. That's a little dicey because I, you know, it's like yeah. not super. So Alex at that point had already been doing like Stanford and Hallow, and it's like it was so difficult. So then, thankfully, God was like, yes. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. And so I, I quit my job early. And my boss was like, whoa, 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 hold on. I thought we had you for another four months or whatever, five months. And I was like, no, I think I really need to go now. And my coworker was like, you know, what, what are you going to do? Like this <laughs> prayer app? Like, you know, like wake up, man. And I'm like, no, like I think this prayer app is really going to be the thing. And of course, they're like, you know, you're, you're an idiot. You know, they just, yeah, they, yeah. They, don't, they don't understand. And so it's like, well, um, I, I, I quit early. I broke my lease on my apartment because my lease was up in, in the summer. So I had broke my lease and paid the fee. I didn't have any money, and we weren't getting, paying, we weren't paying ourselves anything, so I had to empty my four hundred and one k out, which was, you know, not great. Um, I moved in with my parents, <laughs> like moved in with my mom and dad down in Alabama, for this like some from <laughs> April to like you know from April to August. Hey, I'm home. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now we didn't have a basement, which would only make the thing, you know, you're living your parents' basement. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like the most like startup thing you yeah. can do is, but so well, I came pretty close. Um, yeah, that, that was it for me. And then, the, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't go to business school. And then one of the first things we got, uh, there was like a round table from different like career paths. And there was a guy who was, it was the entrepreneurship career path. And he was talking about it and he was like, yeah. And then you know, and I started my own startup and we, we got all this money from all my friends and family and it got some investors and it was awesome. And we were doing the startup thing and then we failed. We like went bankrupt and, and like it didn't work. <laughs> and I remember sitting in my mom's kitchen in my pajamas, just getting emails of like friends that were threatening to sue me and like family members. And I'm just sitting there in the, in the crowd, like sweating bullets hearing this. I'm <laughs> like, God. well, I hope this doesn't happen to us. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, that was, um, I don't say your doubts, lawyer, your lawyer like, background, you know, yeah. friends and family like, suing you. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then there's the social network, you know, that I watch and I'm like, Oh man, like, yeah, that yeah. would really not be great. So anyway, yeah. So to answer your question, that's kind of how my discernment came through. Like it was very much driven by, thankfully by prayer mm-hmm. and just like a leap of faith was really what it was. Yeah. Well, building off of that kind of just, you know, that guy coming and saying that he thinks this is going to fail, like people kind of telling their stories and like, I don't know, it just elicits like some fear and almost, I, I wanted to know like if you experienced any kind of like other resistance or like spiritual attack while building Hallow or just like, you know, people or things or experiences just trying to push you away while you're trying to move this forward. Yeah. So I actually, um, at, the short answer is yes. And the the form of it is, you know, I think the evil one is very opportunistic. And it it's these whispers of doubt. You know, I, I think when you start hearing this voice that's like, well, you're not good enough. Well, they have business backgrounds and like, you know, and, you, and theology backgrounds that you don't have anything. Or, you know, this is, look, look at that guy. He, you know, that could be you. Mm-hmm. Those Those things, those thoughts come from him, right? And that's how he tries to sow seeds of division, right? And he's, you know, Satanas, Lucifer, you know, the accuser is, is one of his titles, uh, the father of lies. 
And so it, it very easily throughout the process of creating something like this, the number one thing that causes startups to fail is not the market. It's not lack of financing, really. The number one thing is founder disagreements. So like founders just like not agreeing with each other and then yeah. like the company breaks up and then like you just can't have a future. Mm-hmm. And there were many times in the very beginning when we're starting Halo where it's like we had disagreements about like where we thought things should go. And I think in those moments it was easy or, you know, it could have been the end of Halo if we would have done X, Y, or Z, right? If we would have, if we really have each, you know, hey, I'm going to put plant my stake in the ground and like this is where my stance and that's your stance and I'm not going to bend and like, you know, X, you know, you're whatever, you're just wrong and, and I'm, this, I'm, I'm correct. And if that would have happened, <clears throat> it would have been the end of Halo. And I think we had a unique friendship in that we were able to, even when we're just friends, have regular debates and like intellectual rigor was, I think, a facet of ours. It wasn't like a, um, some, I mean, some friendships are, are, are different from others and ours was marked by just like constant debate about ideas. And so I think that helped because if we didn't have that, I think we we would have been like the, the the pressure, I guess, that is baked into creating anything like a startup is so massive that if you don't have that, it's just gonna, it's going to splinter. Mm-hmm. So we already kind of had a pressure tested relationship with each other. And that's what enabled us to get through it. Um, and so I think a lot of the attacks came from that of like moments of like anger or like disagreement with each other. And like like accusing each other of of whatever, mm-hmm. but then realizing like when we trusted in God, like no, but like this is this is what He wants us to do, and just being humble with each other and being honest was mm-hmm. what enabled us to like get through that and you know start mm-hmm. Halo. So, and like when you're having those moments, I mean, how do you kind of you know recognize like yeah this this isn't where we should be going right now and like bring God back into that and kind of like reroute back to the right place because I do feel like. You know, emotions can be high, tensions can be high, or, you know, different people's perspectives and different things, so. Yeah, my rooting thing was in the beginning when we had disagreements and I would be upset about something, I would just be like, okay, well, like, God wanted me to do this, and we're about prayer, so let me just pray. Yeah. And I would just bring it to God. I'd be like, God, I'm really upset right now. (laughs) <laughs> like, 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 literally, like, I'm super, I'm super salty, and like, God, what do I'm I do? So mad right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do I do? And like, I, I think, you know, whatever, Alessandro is, is, you know, being a butthole. Like, what, do, what do I do about it? And then it turns out it wasn't Alessandro. I was the one who yeah. was wrong, and I'm like, okay, fine. I'm, I admit it. I'm sorry. And then it like it kind of softens your heart, and then you see it from a different lens. And yeah, just have some really powerful moments of like looking your friends in the eye and being like, look, I love you, like as a brother in Christ, and like I want this to work. And then that was how we got through all of these, mm-hmm. you know, like just questions like, what do we name the startup? And, you know, what roles are we going to have? What titles are we going to have? Where are we going to work? What do we build first? All of those caused debates, you know, and mm-hmm. like we had difference of opinions. We weren't all on the same page on everything. And so having that as like our f- like found like foundation basically was was prayer and like just coming back to that was just great because then we'd pray be like you know what i prayed about it and you're right or like i prayed about it and like i think this is right yeah and just like gave us that like common language that we could all recognize in each other that enabled us to to get basically through anything so Mm -hmm. yeah and i remember just like 
from when I first heard about Hallow and Alex was talking about it, he talked about you guys just having that North Star metric of like, a like people praying. So, right. just like having that thing that unites you all of like we just want more people to pray and like, at the end of the day, like I'm willing to give if it's going to help more people pray. You know, and I I feel like that probably helped having just like that overall mission that like everyone believed in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's 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 how we got through it. Um, just like agreeing on what we wanted mm-hmm. and are each being convicted by God in our own way. And then, yeah, like being stronger for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I'm also curious about how you all as founders kind of prioritized rest and reflection and prayer while you're building this app. Because I think a lot of times startups have the rep of just being, you know, you're working 24-7, it's really intense, like don't have time to rest, eat, sleep, do anything. So how did you still prioritize those things as you're building a startup? Or like what'd you learn, I guess. Or what'd you learn? Like maybe you didn't do a good (laughs) job. Um, what would you have done like differently? Advice for others or something <laughs> yeah. that are going through this. Like, do you have to sacrifice that as right. you're building a startup, or is there a way? <laughs> I think Elon Musk has this quote that's like, "What is it like building a company? It's like chewing on glass and staring into the abyss." <laughs> and I'm like, that is so true on so many levels. I was I've like, when you weren't gonna yeah. say that was true. Nope. I was, so I, you know, I think there's just there's moments where it's like we have to crank we have got to just we've got to go hard and you got to figure it out and but you know that that's not that's not to say that the entire experience is like that i think it's sometimes you have to work really hard but you know i i think over time we it was a learning process like that's the, that's, that's the nice thing about hal is that we've been able to build it in such a way that we've grown with it so the first year i think was just was just was was brutal because we Alex and I were in business school while trying to build a startup. So like that was grueling in and of itself because you have to figure out that the FOMO management (laughs) is real because on the one hand, like I can't do everything that my peers are doing. So like at Yale, they they do like um, hockey on Wednesday nights Mm -hmm. and that's like a big thing. Like everyone goes to play like hockey, you either play or you watch it. And um, even if you've never played hockey before, like they're really good at like welcoming people and whatever. So, I just was never able to go. Like I was like, I can't, I can't do that if I yeah. want to have, if I want to succeed in Halo. And so like finding that balance was almost impossible. So like yes, we were working like m- much harder than I, we had ever worked before. I, I will say it's like the the concept of the startup being the hardest thing you've ever done is true. It is just it's just it's true. Like because you you're you're building something that doesn't exist, and there's just some things that you have to work through to get there. But then what I started realizing, I'd say probably like a year into it, is that even through those moments of like, man, this is like really hard and like I want to quit, it's kind of like, it's like anything, like it's like, it's like training for a marathon or like working out or like a marriage. It's like anything that's really valuable is going to not be easy, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's through those moments that like you get stronger. And I remember there was one day where I like called out, I was like, look, man, I don't know if I can handle it. This is like, this is crushing me. Uh, like, what do I do? And he had a similar moment where he was like, God, this is too much for one person to handle. Like, I'm in business school. I have a wife. Like, I, what are we going to, like, 
yeah. I, ha- I haven't been prioritizing rest. And I, like, there's only so far you can go. And he had this just beautiful moment of surrender. He's like, look, God, I, I just give it to you. I just surrender to you. Like, I'm just going to give it to you. Like, and you, if this fails, then it fails. But like, if you want this to succeed, then you'll make it succeed. And I just want to do what you want me to. And so he had that moment that was able to help transform the way he viewed things. And then for me, it was similar. He's like, look, man, like you have to have that, that same moment of like, come to God, like come to Jesus moment, Mm -hmm. like just give it to him basically. And I did. And things started to change. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's hard and it's busy and it's whatever. But like when you realize what you're doing it for, that's when it's like, okay, I, I, I can rest. Um, I, I know I, I you sort of, I have the wisdom that I need to balance it appropriately because you put it all in the context that that makes sense. So mm. yeah, there's, I can sit here and I haven't told any stories yet, but there've just been some amazing stories of users who have talked about like their experiences with the app and like how it's tr- changed their life, transformed their, their relationship with God. And you're like, okay, like it's worth it. Like all of yeah. this work is worth it. And like, in the very beginning, it was brutal, but after I graduated business school, like it became a lot easier because now like I could just focus on it full time. I didn't have to juggle things. Um, and and sure, like recently, the past few months have been kind of crazy because we're go- going into length. Things get busier. But then the nice thing about Halo is that Alex is like, look, we don't. I don't care like when you work. You, I just, I trust you. You need to just get your work done. So there's no like person breathing down your neck of like you know are you getting this done it's like i know what i have to get done and that means like i can take time when they when i need to take time even if it's like a thursday morning i can if i need to go to costco i can go to costco so i've learned how the unique things about hallow make it such that i can fit in life where life has to happen Mm -hmm. and i can rest through prayer Mm -hmm. Uh, i pray my i haven't talked about my prayer life but my prayer life's also been transformed um and i use the app regularly and that's been helpful for me, um, even through moments of stress, just like offering that up to God. And um, yeah, prioritizing the sacraments, you know, regularly going to mass, regularly uh, going to confession, like things like that have been, mm-hmm. have been helpful. So like that's how I've been able to find that balance. And um, yeah, it's been yeah. great. So when you talked about uh, you know, having it be worth it and seeing, hearing people's stories. And I was just going to say that we've started doing that too, where we like collect, we have a folder called like evidence and we just like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and we just like drop screenshots and whatever of people saying things. And just because if when, you know, when things get hard, then we have, or we're just like, you know, is this, is this worth it? Like, are people listening to this? Cause I feel like, especially with podcast too maybe you see this on the app it's not like social media where you can like something and comment like you don't have that instant gratification it's kind of like someone's listening to it but they don't really give you feedback on it you know and it's kind of similar with the app because it's like they're praying with it but there's no like comment box to be like wow this prayer like was I don't know at least with our podcast so when people do like reach out we're like okay this this is makes everything worth it, you know. So, but then also when you do get that time to rest, I mean, like, what do you, what do you like to do? What are you like? 
lakefront? Are you like sports reading? What what sailing? Sailing, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so what's what's interesting is throughout the day there'll be these moments where I would used to scroll through TikTok, you know? And uh, I've gotten rid of it this year. And I've filled up more of that time with prayer. And I know it sounds kind of cliche, but just realizing like in prayer, you can experience the love of God in a very tangible way and just by spending time with him. And I mean, who, who wouldn't want that, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I was falling on the trap of like just mindlessly doing something. And instead, like, oh, I was, instead of I have, I have 20 minutes, so let me pray rosary. And that, I it's it's funny. Like I used to view that as like I have to do a rosary or like a you know it's like work, yeah. and now it's like man, like I get to spend time with God in this in this time, and finding it very rejuvenating. So like that's mm-hmm. been a big difference. After like outside of that, outside of prayer, I was trying to figure out like well what do I want to do with my time, and I was really big into sailing um, at Notre Dame. I. Uh, joined the team and I learned to sail with Alex and Alessandro um, on campus. So learned to sail. We raced regattas against other schools. It was fantastic. And kept that passion. I went to DC and I joined the DC sailing program. Mm-hmm. Did that for two years. Moved here to Chicago um, and then have joined a, a club here and have been going out on the water. Yesterday was our first uh, day of the season for racing called frostbiting. Uh, we we race in uh, like October, November, and then we race again in like um, April and, and and May. So frostbite, that's a good name. Yeah, that's for very y- the weather yesterday. Yeah, you know, it wasn't warm, it was windy, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, I could talk about sailing forever, but um, yeah. So that is something that I've been doing recently, and then I've been trying to get good at golf. I'm so bad at golf. And it's one of those things where, like, yeah, but it just takes time. It's like, yeah, but there's pictures of me, like, swinging a golf club when I was, like, four. So I've had enough time <laughs> yeah. to get good. It's been I long just, enough. I just, I just stink at it. But, um, no, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I try to get out there and, and, and play. Um, yeah, and I enjoy, um, I enjoy skiing. Um, just, we try to do at least one or two ski trips a year with friends. Um, picked that up a few years ago, and it's super fun. So Love that. Okay, so I think we're kind of getting near the end. I feel like, you know, what would you – we, like, really loved hearing your story. I mean, it, it's been awesome. I think this episode yeah. was amazing. Um, you know, what would you maybe give any type of advice or just, you know, for someone who maybe was you several years ago who was, like, yeah, in that place of, like, discomfort in their job right now and you know maybe has an idea maybe maybe doesn't like what what would you what advice would you give them through you know your own experiences absolutely so i would say run don't walk run <laughs> to jesus in prayer. run don't walk to yeah jesus. in prayer the the idea of discernment is so powerful it's if i could boil it down in a nutshell it's the idea that even with decisions that we consider somewhat small, like how to spend the day, you know, um, what what time, for example, you want to go to church or something like that. Even in small matters, <clears throat> God is present and willing and interested and and um, desiring to be part of your life. 
And so he's always there as a good father to give you advice. And so the trick is spending enough time in prayer to hear his voice and to understand where he's moving your heart. So it's one of those things that was easier said than done. But I would say that the, the key is like turn to God in prayer and discernment. There's a lot of great content out there, a lot of great videos and resources on discernment. We have some in the HAL app. Um, Ascension Presents has some great content. So if you Google Father Mike Schmidt's discernment, he's got a number of videos. Father Mark Mary has some great videos on discernment. Um, and, and just understanding like God's there as, you know, wonderful counselors, one of the titles that the Holy Spirit's given. So uh, understanding that the Spirit is present and wants to be that, that advocate. Mm-hmm. Right, the paraclete, the the one who is encouraging you, um, and turning to him is, I think, the first step. Outside of that, I would say, you know, make use of wise uh, and and diverse advisors. So, if I would have only listened to the one person who said that my idea was not a good idea, then I probably wouldn't have done it. But thankfully, I had my parents, I had friends, I had priests, you know, I had other people. So, I would say, invest in that those circles. That mm-hmm. if you have an idea, you know, the 90% statistic is difficult because on the one hand, if it's a good idea, you know, you need, you need to pursue it. If, if God has convicted you to do it and you're like, I'm passionate about this. I really want to do it. Like you guys starting this podcast and you're doing it like, amen. Like that's so great. But there are some ideas that, you know, it's, it's, it's your idea. It's not God's idea. And he doesn't want you to do it. Right. So the trick is figuring out which one it is. Because 90% of startups do fail. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not something that is a sure bet by any means. It's very risky. And there are implications for doing it for your, if you have a family, you know, what, what that means for your family. And um, yeah, it's like, it's very stressful, but it can be very rewarding. So I think it's a matter of like, if you have an idea, bring it to God, pray about it, um, talk to you, some advisors, friends, family, priests, if it's a spiritual nature, um, and then just read up on it. A lot of people that, so in business school, we hear some pitches of ideas and you'd be surprised how many ideas people have of products and services that already exist. Mm. So either A, it already exists, so don't build it, or B, if it already exists, so for example, you know, Lyft had already been around when Uber came out. So it doesn't mean that just because an idea exists, you can't have a similar idea, but the, the matter is like, okay, how is yours gonna be different? If you're gonna spend all this time and energy to build something that already exists. So for example, there was um, a friend of mine started in a company that was trying to develop um, oat milk. And it was around that time when oat milk hadn't like popped off yet, if you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> like it was still almond milk or soy milk and, mm-hmm. and oat milk wasn't really as used. And then like there were all of these companies, all of a sudden they just, same thing, started yeah. doing oat milk. Like even the, the big players, the smaller players, and then they just couldn't figure out like how to make theirs different. And so it just didn't work out. So just because you have an idea um, doesn't mean it hasn't been. So doesn't mean someone else also hasn't had that idea. Yeah. So I think that's another really helpful step is like understanding like where will your idea fit into the universe of things that exist, and then the rest is like I said like discernment and and then you know kind of taking it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then maybe one final piece to add on to that like, what would you say to people that maybe have that idea but like you, don't feel like they have the experience or they don't feel like they're an expert in that area or kind of that imposter syndrome of like, why me? Like, I, I don't know that I can do this. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah, it's, it's such a tough question because on the one hand, they say, you know, if you're going to start something, if you're going to be the CEO, 
you need to have the experience that's required and that's demanded of you for that. So I'm not the CEO, right? Um, but I'm a founding team member and I've spent a lot of time adding value by you know the, the skills that I've been given So and the gifts that I've been given by God. So I think the, the answer is, even if you don't have the experience or you know the background, what are your gifts? You know, what are those things that God gave you that you're better at than other people? So I love talking to people. I love making connections. I love telling stories. So it's like, okay, well, you're probably the best person at the company to connect with our users and tell their story. So it made sense. And so I think it's less about like, do I have a degree or, you know, do I have this background? It's like, what are your gifts and how can you develop those in such a way that meets your idea? And if it's like, look, I have these gifts and I have this idea and they don't match, well, it's much easier to change your idea than it is to change your gifts, right? Mm-hmm. So I would yeah. say then maybe you go back to the drawing board and, and pray and figure out if, it, if you can use your gifts in a different way. Mm-hmm. I would also say that, like, you know, maybe you aren't an expert in that area, but, like, you're an expert in experiencing the problem, you know? Like, you are... Like, you guys had that, you guys noticed and found that gap that other people didn't. So, like, those are going to be the people that are going to be your target audience. And, like, you're an expert in, like, knowing how they feel and, like, knowing where those gaps are. So, since Mm -hmm. you guys experienced that, I mean, that's also, like, an area. Maybe it's a little not conventional, like you said, like a degree or something. But that personal experience allows you to be an expert in that area. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the, the key is when you're thinking about an idea, sometimes you fall into the trap of like, well, this is the idea and people are going to love it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more about what is the problem, mm-hmm. to your point, Clay? What is the thing that you're solving that no one else has solved? So for us, it was like all of these thousands of years of tradition, basically, that exist hasn't been translated into a modern interface that you can carry around with you and access whenever you want that's approachable like that just didn't exist and that's the problem because it should exist and it's like okay well then let's let's come up with some tests that's the other thing i would add as, an, as a quick piece of advice i know that we're closing but one of the things that they tell you is like come up with a test so if you're in the side maybe you have an idea maybe you have some gifts you're like what do i do do i quit my job and go whole hog i would say that the idea of running tests has been really foundational for halo so you know before creating a feature Maybe you talk to someone. Maybe you draw something on a piece of paper and show it to them. Maybe you come up with a prototype. So I would push you, if you're listening and you have an idea, think about how could you test your idea? So like the guy from Zappos, they started this you know massive company. Mm-hmm. Instead of having all this inventory, he literally just like had pictures of shoes and then had a website. And then when people wanted to buy it, he they actually went through the transaction and he would go and like ship them himself, the shoes. He would go buy the shoes and ship it to them. So he was able to test that people wanted it because people spend real money. Yeah. You know, that's another thing. If you ask people, they're going to tell you. But when you ask them to spend money, that's how you really know mm. if yeah. if the idea is has legs. Mm-hmm. So if you have an idea and, and it involves some sort of price, I would say come up with a test where people actually have to pay for it. Maybe that's setting up a stand outside of a of a you know a building or something and just like asking people, hey, like I have this product, you want to try it? You know. Here's a free version, and like here's a free sample, but here it is for like $2 or something. Mm-hmm. And people buy it, and you know that, that, that there's some interest there. So. Yeah, and that's like minimal overhead and stuff, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. 
Okay, this is the last question, but it's a fun question. Go for it. Who has been your favorite celebrity who's endorsed Hallow? <laughs> That's, yeah. I mean, I would I would consider Father Mike Schmitz to be a celebrity at this point. Yeah. Um, I think he counts. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He, <laughs> I mean, his pot, his uh, Bible in a year with Jeff Cavins, they were the number one podcast across all podcasts for yeah. like, I don't even know how many days. I think it was at least two weeks Yeah. Um, when it first launched. And he's considered the most famous priest in the U.S. And I've met him a few times. And, you know, there's some people that you meet that they have their persona. But then when you talk to them, it's, you know, you you understand that there's a different difference yeah. in the persona. And like mm-hmm. how they present themselves and how they actually are. And Father Mike is not like that. You know, what you see is what you get with Father Mike. Just like the joy and consistency of his witness has just been an inspiration for all of us at Hallow. Yeah, when I first it was yeah when I first met him, I I had this feeling of him being like a like a spiritual uncle almost like you know someone who's like family yeah and it's just just been always there and when I met him he's like we've met before and I was like no we haven't met before but <laughs> I would remember, I would remember <laughs> that um, you know kind of like we've prayed together I mean um, yeah no I, I yeah I think a big big Father Mike fan um, and then recently had the opportunity to meet uh, Jeff Cavins. Um, he came out here, and uh, Jeff was Catholic, became a Protestant pastor for like 12 years, 10 years, and came back to the faith and is considered one of the basically four leading scholars on uh, Scripture um, and just a, an, an amazing witness to the Catholic faith. Um, so I spent some time with him. So I would say between uh, Father Mike and Jeff, it's a dynamic duo. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think they count as one, you know. They, so. they partner. Yeah. yeah, so. Love it. All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. We want to thank you so much for, you know, coming on the podcast today and sharing your story. Like, so inspirational and just so cool what you guys are building. So thank you for what you're doing to, you know, inspire prayer and young people and just people of all ages. And so, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. God bless you guys. All right. Bye, everyone. All right. We'll see you all next week. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Give us a rating and follow us on social media at Corporate Catholic Pod.